Hello listeners, and welcome back to Advancing Education, Alberta's number one student leader podcast, where we talk about student issues, news, conduct interviews, and all other kinds of stuff like that. You're listening to The Leaders Series, where we interview current student leaders of ASEC and the future leaders in our province. I'm your host, Dalton Neary. Let's jump in. All right. Welcome to episode three of ASEX Leaders Series Podcast. We are pleased to, to be joined today by Katie Faith. Faith. Faith, sorry. And Jonathan Bilodeau. You said that right, so good job. Thanks. Yeah. I spell it wrong all the time, so. <laughs> uh, how are you two doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, doing good. Good. It's good to hear. How about uh, you introduce yourself first because you weren't with us last time and then we'll get into Katie. Sure. So I'm the man usually behind the scenes here on the podcast. My name is Jonathan Bilodeau. I'm the executive director of ASEC uh, and just a pleasure to be here and to chat with you today. Absolutely. Well, I'm Katie and as you may know, I'm Katie Faith. <laughs> um, I am the NATSA president at, for two, like a year and yeah, it's a pleasure to be sitting down with two lovely men <laughs> that are passionate about students like me. So, yeah. Thanks. I'm excited. Awesome. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, what do you like to do in your free time? Like, other than being at Nate all the time? Oh, what a great question. I like to um, hang out with my musical instruments because I also play a guitar or violin, whichever is which. Um, also love to read books on my own. Um, Probably like if it's a nice day, I would go for a hike in my neighborhood. Uh, we do have a few trails in the ravine and the creek. Um, and yeah, I also like to just just sleep or <laughs> like nothing. Is that a hobby, sleeping? I would say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been playing instruments for? Well, I started when I was like, uh, well, I would say when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So I would say, oh my goodness, you will know my age. <sighs> I would say like 15 years, 17 nice. years. Okay. Cool. Roughly, give or take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Got exposed uh, early. What what instrument you play? Just guitar? Guitar. Uh, mainly guitar. Um, violin. And I learned like other instruments as well, like drums a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And I also started with the piano because that's the basic. Like that's we, where we learn the basics of it. And we just derive to other instruments because mm -hmm. we read like musical notes. And we learn it to the piano first and then derive it to other instruments like guitar and violin. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Cool. So. so you said you go to Nate. Uh, what made you choose to go there? Ooh. Um, well, I really like um, like applied, uh, something applied, like something, even though theory is great, right? Something we can think of, something um, that is well studied. But I like the hands-on learning. And I've been looking for that um, for almost my entire high school years, like discerning which school to go for, like college. And so I was choosing in between schools, and I think of Nate as a great option for, especially for business, because business is so abstract and business is so, like, a lot of creativity behind it um, and a lot of things that we can go for, like, business. So I'd like to have a hands-on learning, applied research kind of approach where we're not just sticking about the theory, but having the applied component of it. So that what made me choose Nate. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nate's a good school. I went to Nate. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, what part of business are you in? Well, um, 
I started off as like in a finance uh, program, mm-hmm. but now I switched to um, human resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I still have like the both, like both of them. Like I, nice. I earned my education from both nice. um, programs. So. Sweet. Did you change because you were going into student leadership, or did you change because your interests changed? Oh, very good question. Um, because originally I I wanted to pursue accounting. Mm. Um, Boring. <laughs> I would say it's fun if you if because it's di- like different for different people. Um, maybe because I had a prof before Nate. Because I went to a university before Nate. Okay. Um, I have the most passionate professor in accounting. Mm. And then as soon as I arrived at Nate, I fell in love with finance. I'm like, wow, I, I like the economics and the finance component aside from accounting. Because I, I have a stereotype for myself that oh, accounting is more for introverted people, but I'm extroverted. <laughs> so What? <laughs> isn't it obvious? Really? Oh. I didn't know. Did Ooh. you know? I didn't know. Ooh. Wait, what are you shocked about? Well, I'm, I'm very curious about <laughs> John's... Extrovert? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious about John's program. Hello, program of finance. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I just got interested about um, the human resource side of things because like, you know, balance of profitability because that's what finance can see. Like, there's a future, right? Finance can see the future. But with human resources, like balance of valuing the people behind creating the value of those valuations with finance and economics so i get the balance of perspective about that so nice. not a really huge huge change but just integrating that yeah, just like a more rounded understanding of what business actually can be it's not just numbers it's the people on the other side as well yes yes absolutely that's a threat it's a veiled attack against me <sighs> <laughs> So we'll see you next time on Advancing Education. <laughs> um, when you were uh, choosing schools, did you ever think of going to any different ones in Alberta? Well, um, well, I did hope that there's a school for the arts, like specializing in music. Um, I did hope for that, but I haven't found anything because, um, yeah, I think if there's a school that is majoring in performing arts and music, I would go for that. <laughs> but... Um, it's Nate stood out to me so far. Nice. Yeah. AU Arts doesn't have any any musical stuff there. Do you know? Oh, don't make me change my mind. <laughs> they have like theater and stuff, but I don't know if they have like a dedicated music program. Don't quote me on that. Huh. They mm-hmm. might, but I'm about to find out. <laughs> I know, like, the U of A does. The U of C does. Hmm. Like you can do a, a BFA in music. Oh. Yeah, I've seen master's program in U of A about music mm-hmm. I'm like this is calling my name yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know. see it'd be fun for sure it'd be an interesting program oh yeah um so what made you want to be a student leader in the first place like why did you decide to run for student leadership so I am also exposed to a lot of things when I was in like young age I think I was exposed to sports music and then student leadership so um, at seven years old, I was also exposed to student representation. And s- that opened my eyes that, wow, there's there's a lot of things that a student leader can do. But of course, it was limited because it was too early, like grade school, right? And as soon as I escalate my educational attainment, um, that's where I see the value of representing students and being a voice for students, being an advocate for students. So I think um, what made me run for this year 
which I earned the position with the trust of um, the student body, is that there's so much I can do for students and, and that I, I think I can provide value for students if I represent them. So um, yeah, I, I did have perspectives um, as a senator at NATSA, and then the following year was NATE Board of Governors. So I have the overlooking site. Now I wanted to be on the floor for like the executive or the execution of those strategies, which representation is the best place for it. And so yeah, I, I have a pretty diverse perspectives of interacting with students, not just international or domestic, but really diverse. So it would be meaningful for me to do that for them for a year or two. Was it, were you scared when you ran? Was it nerve wracking, were you anxious? It is, um, of course, because there were there were three of us, mm. and I do believe that e each of us have um, certain strengths, and we have we have the like almost the same intentions of mm. you know running, and it's up to the student body. It's not going to be me that right. would be deciding to really represent students, right? Because the student body has to choose. Mm -hmm. Of course, it is nerve wracking. It's sure. it's like what's gonna happen because <laughs> it's gonna change my life because the spotlight is so bright when it comes to student leadership and student representation right. and that itself is nerve-wracking mm -hmm. right and especially with the age today it's social media age where people can creep on social media and um, look it up onto whoever it is because it's a public interest who is like who is on the student council yeah, yeah. something so well, i'm glad you ran it's good well, I, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I'm hearing is that you were like, this is like your lifelong goal, basically. From seven years old, you've always wanted to be the president of NATSA. I would say not specifically NATSA, but somehow <laughs> similar. Like, um, yeah, the preparation has been like, you know, small, like milestones. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I learned a lot and it's a continuous learning. And I think the very goal of also in student leadership for me is the growth because I could not get this experience anywhere else, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And um, like the, the opportunity to also learn from others and not necessarily thinking that I'm more than others right. in this position, because it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a role of service, so let's get, get yeah. attitude. Okay, so let's start talking about Nate a bit here, Nate's uh, and your plans for the upcoming future of the year. Um, uh, first things first, I think orientation. Um, this is going to be the first in-person orientation in two years. Uh, what are some of the challenges you guys are facing and how have you pulled together to overcome them? So um, for the planning for the in-person orientation, I think that we have the best people to be on that job. So NATSA has our campus life director and our events manager which are actually former student execs at NISA. There were VP internal during their years. So it's pretty exciting. Um, we did pull out, um, it, it's challenging, but we did pull out some plans. We collaborated with Institute and um, we reimagined how it was like before, <laughs> like back in three, five years. And that's the challenge there. Like um, we were facing a two year pause of that orientation, right? Cause we just did it online. Mm -hmm. So lots of preparation, and I think um, the challenge might be like gathering the volunteers, and the amount of volunteers this time is higher than usual. So 
yeah, it's it's getting the word out there for student would be challenging, but of course it, it does take time for other students to volunteer, right? So I think um, everything is getting together, I would say. And yeah, it's pretty exciting that we're, we're actually having this orientation um, by the like August, end of August. Nice, any big names booked? You have like a, I don't know, a, like Daredevil? Is there gonna be a fireworks <laughs> show? Like what, a, what should the students expect when they come to orientation? Well, um, one thing they need to expect for the orientation is that they have all the support they need. There will be many booths um, from Health and Dental, from Wellbeing, um, from Student Services Center, um, Nate's events team, everything is gonna be there. Um, we don't, we haven't um, invited any celebrities or any fireworks display. Um, we have, because we have to have that approved with our risk management team, right? So um, nothing crazy <laughs> yet for like orientation or something like a phone party. No, no, no. We, we don't have it like that, but um, they're pretty exciting. Um, like interactions nice. for that. Well, so. for next year, just a few little ideas. Uh, I'll get our year. campus life director yeah. for that. <laughs> John apparently has Daredevil on speed dial. So. <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> uh, what day is your orientation going to be? Um, August 30th and August 31st. It's coming up pretty quick here. Pretty quick. Uh, you Is there anything you're like nervous about at all? Maybe something the students uh, should maybe be expecting or you're expecting students to do and they might not be as keen to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, the expectation that maybe they might be keen to do it is the level of engagement hmm. that we want, um, especially how it sticks to them that this is their day. You know, this is their opportunity to ask questions. They might be reluctant because they weren't used to interactions like huge crowd of people because mm -hmm. you know two years has been rough and has been challenging for them to do that level of interaction um but yeah other than that i'm pretty confident with the team what we have put up for them for the students and it's it's just exciting overall yeah nice nice yeah so moving past orientation, you got a whole year after that. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the goals your team is working on uh, this year? Ooh, so I'm. I would say um, because we we have set our individual goals and we also have set our team goal. Um, but the highlights of each of our portfolios. So, for example, for our VP academic in our team, um, she wants to increase the numbers of tutors that are in the trades program, mm -hmm. right? Um, for our VP external, he would like to. Um, focus on getting the, the vote, like getting out the vote campaign for the provincial election to right. induce uh, motivation for students to, to, you know, to pledge and get out the vote, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we're nonpartisan, but we can still encourage students to exercise their rights for the vote. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty exciting. Um, for our VP internal, she would like to focus on like the EDI on the okay. events, um, the procedures and languages so that the minority group can um, feel welcome um, in all capacities and for myself I would like to stick with um, the very role of representation meaningful representation to actively collaborate with the Institute um, that a student first mission and values is at the forefront of policies procedures and services and it's doable and it's we're very excited um, to collaborate and smash those goals for the year <laughs> 
No, those are really great goals. I, yeah. I like your VP externals goal, especially. I'm a little biased, you know, working here. <laughs> yeah. um, but I like what you said. We're not we're not in partisan. Yes. Right. But yep. encouraging students to vote and young people to vote is mm -hmm. how we actually impact change. Um, exactly. It's really, really important. So those yeah. are good goals. I like that. Absolutely. Me too. I'm, I'm very I'm very happy that I have this team and I'm very um, excited. And at the same time, I'm so lucky that I belong to this team, very talented and very passionate in each of our portfolios, and we work so well together. So um, we just can't wait to, you know, be visible and be a familiar face for students and with this orientation on uh, the upcoming events. So pretty exciting just overall. <laughs> well, I like that your goal personally aligns with ASEC's number one priority eventually, mm -hmm. which is meaningful consultation. Right, and, right. Um, Number three, yeah. Number three. Yep. Sorry. They're all up there. Um, <laughs> they're all number one. They're all number one. Um, no, but that's really good. And I think it's something that's really important, uh, yeah. especially in the Alberta context. We don't have a lot of those same protections like other students associations would mm -hmm. in other provinces. So I really uh, applaud you for that goal. It's going to be a bit of an uphill fight, but uh, good work to do. Yeah. It's going to be a, an interesting year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're really looking forward to it on our end as well. Uh, we did start doing some lobby lobby team meetings the other day and we're trying to figure out how we're going to approach that goal on our end ourselves. So um, if you want to get on that conversation, you're more than welcome to sign up for the lobby team. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with your goals in mind, uh, what are some of the projects you guys have started working on? Oh, so projects. I love it. Um, we started working on our classroom visits because that's part of our goal as a team to, because um, we aspire to reconnect to the student body, right? Um, and that way, in, in classroom visits, we wanted to engage with staff and students so they get to know us better. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we already have um, planned for swags, what would, would it, what would, sorry, what it would be like, mm -hmm. um, how, how long or what sound bite do we want to be for students. So yeah, we're already getting the role and we're gonna do it for fall and winter. Nice. So yeah, it's very exciting and we call it like the orientation express. <laughs> and we are inspired by the travel and you know, like a sort of like a train track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably the LRT of Edmonton. <laughs> Hopefully functioning. Yeah. Like there's a like a stop shop, like, oh this station is actually Nathan. Yeah. This is a service hub. Like you know, the, like that, that's the concept. Um, it's like taking them to a journey of travel that there's a tour for you about NATO. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Hopefully, like, rolling into classrooms with, like, a smoke machine and, like, <laughs> Jody with a little conductor's hat on, I think would be pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, we planned for what we're going to wear for it. So it's going to be fun and nothing too crazy, but at least, you know, something interesting for students to remember. Nice. Any other projects going on? Um, so far for now, um, we focus on those priorities. Um, and to be honest, we're going to retain also our study party. Um, and that's in our VP academics portfolio where we connect students to their uh, respective tutors um, that they need for their academic um, preparations for their exams. Nice. Um, yeah, and other events. That we have lots of events, like hundreds of them. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. always exciting. Yeah. What's the one you're most looking forward to? Ooh, 
I'm looking forward to, um, I think, the Leadership Summit, um, which is happening uh, August 26th. In a couple days. Yeah, yeah. in a couple days. <laughs> still, uh, I, I'm sure that our invite is in the mail. We're just still waiting for it to arrive. Yeah? Yeah. Mm, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't assigned for the invites, but yeah, I will I'll check that out. Because <laughs> um, I think that was a, um, a baby uh, project by the executive council team at NHTSA right. last year, right. which is 2021. And this is the second year for that. And we, we have created really great engagement with students, especially we introduce leadership at NHTSA. So yeah, we funnel them that if they're interested to replenish our seats for the next year. Nice. Is that what that is, the Leadership Summit? It's like trying to recruit more students or what, what is it? Um, the very core of it is to, because um, most of the students we invited are already having like, uh, for example, international peer mentors are invited or campus activities board members are invited and other like academic council um, representatives and like th th those students are already having roles in the community. Mm -hmm. We're just there to strengthen them. Okay. And if they want to pursue further, um, they are very welcome to explore what opportunities they have and lots of good stuff. Like um, we invited speakers. Um, so, and there's free swag, of course. <laughs> and if they need mentorship for, to anyone in the room, they're also free to do so and networking. Yeah. Cool, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting tactic to try to get students in and kind of, instead of just telling them to volunteer and trying to be a part of it, like actually giving them some substance and something yeah. to think about and something to learn from. Hopefully it works out good for you. Yeah, it works so well last year. Um, and we hope to have more um, uptakes or intakes this time around um, we'll see um, but I have invited lots of my peers and they're pretty receptive about it especially they're approaching the last year of their program mm -hmm. so yeah they're trying to maximize whatever they can and it's it's better off that a first-year student would benefit from this type of event so yeah. very cool wow Again, I really am excited to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a seat for you, John. <laughs> Just way in the back. <laughs> like. <laughs> um, so what has been your biggest challenge so far this summer? That's very, such a good question. Um, my biggest challenge so far um, is because I'm also a student mm -hmm. and I'm also working full time as NASA president, right? So the biggest challenge was to sacrifice my own interest as a student by just having less courses. Because my goal this year personally is to make quality decisions and quality work mm -hmm. of not burning out. So um, that's the biggest challenge for me because I, I would usually take a lot of load on myself uh, in a course of a week, like no breaks. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but it's a challenge to say to myself, be kind to yourself because mm -hmm. you have a big role. A lot of like over 15,000 like 15, students are counting on the decisions we make as a team. Mm -hmm. And my job is the team for EC at NASA. So this is the biggest challenge to reflect that, okay, I'm gonna slow down with my courses. I'm just gonna take one course per semester. Um, even though it's going to take me longer to be at Nate, um, taking me longer to graduate, and I'm also impacted with the curriculum changes. So 
that's another challenge to reflect. Um, but other than that, the challenge was the sacrifice, mm -hmm. what to choose and what not to choose. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's really wise though. When I was in your same role, I mm -hmm. took three courses a semester and yeah, burnout <laughs> is a real thing and you're not getting anything out of those courses. You're doing the bare minimum to just kind of <sighs> scrape by. And I certainly was not a great student uh, during that time. So I think that's really smart, very wise to yeah. slow it down and focus on yeah. this time. Because it's so brief, you only have a few months. Like really, you're elected for a year. You're already done five months of that. Exactly. So you only have seven months to go. And exactly. school is just starting right now, basically, yeah. right? So. Yeah, and that's what I learned. Like I try to learn from the past student execs, mm -hmm. and I get to learn from you as well, mm -hmm. that you took the full course load of three courses. Um, not gonna lie, I did lots of planning about my courses. What if I go aggressive, like full-time at school, full-time job, or conservative, like two courses and then full-time job, or very conservative. Mm -hmm. So I took like a financial investment approach that what if we go aggressive, balanced, or conservative. I did that a lot of um, planning that way. Um, but yeah, I discerned what's best for myself, that it's, it's okay to be conservative about what time load especially uh, I will also disclose that I did have post viral fatigue from COVID and I cannot extend my capacity for my brain anymore because right. I get fatigue like right away mm -hmm. like eight hours ten hours my brain is drained yeah. so I have to like you know keep myself accountable because no one is gonna be taking over for me mm -hmm. right I gotta do me yeah. <laughs> so and that way I'm I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of the student council because mm -hmm. my well-being will be very important when it comes to decision making. Sure. So. Students are so much smarter than when we were student leaders. Yeah, I pretty much just slammed my face into a wall for, <laughs> for five years straight. That was my general strategy yeah. for yeah. student leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I, I get to value um, well-being. Mm -hmm. um, the hard way because i burned out every before the finals right and nobody's gonna save me from that right yeah. so i'm like this is not good if i continue this yeah it can be a habit so when i go to the workplace i might be doing it again mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. burning out and doing those habits that doesn't serve me so i gotta correct it before i graduate <laughs> What is that? Is there? A, there's a quote from Parks and Rec, I think, where he says you can't, you can't half-ass two things. You got a whole-ass one thing. Whole-ass one. Thing. Is that what it is? That, that, I think, I think that that is where I'm at right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a personal challenge, correct? It is. What about any team challenges you've ran into? Um, our team challenge, because this year is in person, like we're back in person. We're back functional um, team in person back in our offices. And that's a challenge because mm -hmm. even though I would say our predecessors from the past year has set the bar high for us because they endured going back in person, back online, back in person, back online, right? Whereas for us this year, we do have the hybrid option, mm -hmm. right? Of like working from home. We just need to let, let our teammates know. However, most of our events are back on, like in person. So we need to trace back what it was like three to five years ago. 
<laughs> right? We need to reimagine <laughs> how it's like. So that's, that's the biggest challenge because the nature of our job as NATO Executive Council members is to set the strategic directions of where NATO is going, but we just can't discredit or ignore or fully give credit to the two, past two years. Right. So we need to track back and circle back <laughs> and then reflect like, okay, which direction do we want NATO to be? Because mm -hmm. we set that directions. So, um, and we oversight the operations. So that's the biggest team challenge um, so far. And we are little by little overcoming it, of course, because it's not gonna be like solved overnight. Right. Um, but yeah, I, we adapted these cert certain changes. Um, and I think the summer also offered us to be back in person with conferences, which, which we need to learn from other execs in 2017, 2018, or mm -hmm. where, where that time mm -hmm. was full in person. So yeah, those are the very challenges. Um, yeah, COVID is weird. It is, it <laughs> is. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where it's like, we need to reflect, what do we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna start talking about ASEG here. Um, what, uh, we're starting to do some research for this year's advocacy document. Uh, what would you say is the most important goal for us to focus on this summer? Uh, that we chose at goals this year, obviously. If you forget them, it's tuition, consultation, work integrated learning. Yeah, um, for the most important advocacy um, that we can, that I think that we must focus on um, is the meaningful consultation. I do think that students, while we are so diverse, we are in different backgrounds and different programs. So we do need to be meaningfully consulted in a way that we're not just there to get their approval, if that makes sense. Like, we're not, we're not just there um, to provide the approval, or we're not just there as just a part to comply the legislation. Because um, I think it's important to know how it's done compared to just how it looks. Because how it looks, it would be like, students are being consulted, but I think if there's a framework or the guidelines, what are the expectations and how consultation is done or how consultation must be done, it would be a great of value for SAs or student associations to have that um, advocated for the government. Um, especially we, we have the onuses of approving certain things, like for example, MNIFs or tuition, even though we cannot, we really cannot approve a tuition, but the, the legislation would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, <laughs> John um, the legislation would say that um, the student association has to be consulted at least twice mm -hmm. in a year. But how does that look like? Is there any progression or are there any expectation or is it an analog or monologue or a dialogue? Mm -hmm. So um, the specifics are very important um, when it comes to meaningful consultation. And I think it's the most important advocacy to make it louder mm -hmm. for Alberta students. Well, and what's really important to get into people's minds is that students aren't just a, a customer mm -hmm. of the institutions. Right? Exactly. 
And so I think there's that thought that's out there that, well, you're just a customer of the institution. If you don't like it, you can just go to a different institution or you can go mm-hmm. choose to do something else. But really, I think that's very short-sighted. Mm-hmm. I think we can see, in the, at least in the Canadian setting, that post-secondary is kind of the great divide. Mm-hmm. It's the great equalizer. You know, we have over 50% of our population has some kind of post-secondary credential. Mm-hmm. And so in the labor market, that becomes a very, very competitive thing that you'd have to have. And so really, if we aren't making post-secondary accessible for mm-hmm. our students, what we're doing is we're preventing people from progressing in our society and moving up and, and really fulfilling their dreams and living the life that they want to. And this all comes back to meaningful consultation because once the institutions and the government and our Alberta society really um, understands that students need to be at the heart of these consultations, need to be partners on campus, need to be involved intrinsically in, in how these decisions are rolling out on campus. Once that happens, our system becomes so much better and mm-hmm. our province becomes so much better and our students yeah. become so much better. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, just a quick comment about how the system is designed. It's designed for students. It's designed for institutes. Um, it's designed for the common public interest that, just for example, if I, if I have my kids, what's how how are they being valued mm-hmm. how is their voice being valued um, we're a major stakeholder mm-hmm. students are a major stakeholders and we're essential to the econ- like economic state of the province or to even internationally mm-hmm. like to the wor- to like to the whole world like we are globally competitive mm-hmm. or shall we say we we are actually the ones driving the economic force for labor sure. or for professionalism and of course, wisdom, because we we're sending ourselves to gain knowledge and wisdom and how to do things right in the industries that we serve, either be it in business or agriculture, whatever that is, right? So we believe that students provide absolute value in the society. Therefore, we, we see that there's also absolute value in being meaningfully consulted. That's why that advocacy piece is very, very important. And, and it's becoming more and more important as the government changes the funding formulas mm-hmm. um, in our institutions. Now, uh, in our publicly funded system, um, public funding is actually, for the first time ever, has gone below 50% in our system. So the government is funding less than half of the operations of our institutions, which means that more burden is being placed on students and on tuition dollars. And we're becoming a bigger and bigger proportion of the funding puzzle and so um, I think that gives us a legitimate reason to be included in these decisions I mean we are apart from the government we are the largest funder of the advanced education sector in Alberta so um, really we're the people the students are the people going to these institutions getting the education so there's that you know they are consuming a lot of uh, the services being provided but also they're the product that is coming out of these institutions. It's gonna be alumni, they're gonna build a reputation. Like you said, they're gonna um, really impact a lot of these industries and sectors. Um, so really our society has to be focused towards the students. The students' voice has to be the primary voice on campus for sure. Exactly, and like, because it could be tied into certain things, like bigger things um, about meaningful consultation, especially the Alberta 2030 strategy was released last year in 2021 mm-hmm. and also the fact about deconsolidation am i saying it right yep. <laughs> yeah and the red tape reductions mm-hmm. 
So there are lots of onuses on the institute and the students to decide what is good for students and what is good for the institute. Because mm -hmm. um, it goes both ways, because the resources are limited and it's a basic economic principle. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we need to allot our capital expenditures or funding or whatever resources we may have to certain things that brings us to a certain direction. Because right. it will determine what it's gonna be like right. in 2030 or whatever that is. Well, and you brought up deconsolidation, and that's this is really why meaningful consultation is so important right now. Mm -hmm. um, deconsolidation is a very complex accounting topic, but basically the institutions are no longer going to be presented on the government of Alberta's um, books, on their financial statements. And the big change that had to happen for that, for the deconsolidation piece to happen, is that the government of Alberta had to give up their ability to appoint the majority of people on the boards and had to give up their ability to appoint the chair of the board for institutions. So what has happened is the public interest at the governance level of our institutions has actually been reduced quite a lot, quite significantly. And I don't think a lot of people actually understand that change and what that means. But what it means is you're gonna have more industry folks and more insiders and more people who are closer to the administration of the institution on those boards and so you're not going to have that public interest you're not going to have as much accountability and transparency and so this is the reason why students need to be th their place on campus needs to be strengthened and empowered because we've actually lost um, a lot of accountability and public interest on campus and we need to regain that piece exactly and um, I, it's I think it's fair to to also um, account not really account for certain financial things but account the fact that as soon as I found out that there are certain changes about the modernization of the governance structure about institutes, um, I spent the last summer learning about it, about the strategy, and because I was starting my term as Board of Governors at NEAT as a right. student at large representative um, in September 2021. Um, and the term is for a year, and therefore I always bring up the question if does it do we feel sustainable about a certain budget mm -hmm. for the fact that we are to disconsolidate it at our own you know, um, capacity as an institute or what it is like? Because it's so complex and it's so fresh still, but it's also fair for us to learn early what it's like to be um, in the next years, right. if this is what it's like right now, mm -hmm. um, because of the fact that decon deconsolidation affects a lot of certain areas of the institute and the onus for student associations to discern. Okay. Um, and not every student associations have the capacity, um, like equal capacity to, to really um, approach certain things like this. Okay. So, um, and that's why I think um, being heard to the government that meaningful consultation um, will provide bridges to certain gaps of the system that we're not being set aside because right. there's a lot of decision making right. to be honest with that change of system that's perfect I, I love it actually um the one thing i would like to ask of you two is like what just off the top of your heads what is the ideal consultation situation look like for you guys like after you so i i think um and this is not so far the best um but it's just on top of my head. 
that there has to be a, a similar approach about how the contract law is like that there's a there's an offer there's a consideration and there's acceptance right um that it's not just a one way that oh we're informing you that we're doing this but it's like an offer that we are to do this um what do you think or like um like you know like there's there's still consideration and there has to be um a sufficient amount of time where SAs can discern and can think, let's say 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever that is, we name it, like a reasonable amount of time to consider that, okay, if the institute is to do this, we have the time to think, look at different angles, look at different directions, consider risks and how to mitigate them and go back. Is this the best option? Are there other alternatives? Like approaching it like a business case, um, thing during the consideration and then we go back and okay this is what we think it's not like being rushed mm -hmm. i don't think consultations have to be rushed because it, uh, it impacts the students in the future and that impact is not even rushed it's like long term um, and in order for us to make quality decisions consultations have to follow like that certain thing just as how doctors diagnose their patients or lawyers um, uncover, you know, like the truth behind things or how accountants um, analyze transactions. So if we can derive a similar principle to consultations, that there's an offer, there's an like consideration and there's acceptance or whatever that acceptance look like or like a feedback, I do think it's a, it's a, it's going to be meaningful in that sense. Um, because that's how we are able to derive the value of taking the time, mm -hmm. taking our thoughts, mm -hmm. looking at different angles and how it will impact students. Because, mm -hmm. for example, at Nate, we have a very diverse group of students. We cannot say, oh, this will just impact a certain group of students positively. But how about other people? How about the other groups? That's why it's better off to take the time and discern, is this good for the community? So I think that approach of the contract law would be a would be a somehow good place to start. Yeah, good yeah. place to start. Yeah. Yeah, I like that definitely. So in my mind, it kind of breaks into three separate categories, and so the first categories are on process, and that's exactly mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah. Right now, the process is very undefined. There's a rule in the regulation that says there has to be a process, mm -hmm. and that's as far as it goes that's as much as the regulation says is that the institution and the essay have to have a process to consult and meet with each other but that's as far it's completely left you know undefined beyond that so that's something that we need to work on for sure yeah and i'm not quite sure how um first let's say a regulation will be changed and how they will define it further because maybe they are providing flexibility on different student associations and institute according to their size sure Right, but it's just that I think the common ground has to be the, the principles mm -hmm. and expectations, like what core values are, like has to be present yeah. during that consultation. Yeah. Like objectivity, impartiality, or rename sure. it, sure. right? Yeah, it, obviously consulting in good faith and there you go. all those different kind of values yeah. and pieces in there, right? But definitely some sort of process, and I think that includes some minimums Mm -hmm. around 
you know, there, like you said, there has to be an offer. There has to be some kind of presentation of information. Mm -hmm. There has to be enough appropriate time for consideration mm -hmm. of that information. And then there has to be an opportunity to give a response yeah. in this, in this situation. Yeah. Very similar to like what you said in contract law, yeah. right? So that procedurally needs to be worked on. And I think that's mm -hmm. a great kind of first step. Yeah. The second piece that we really need though is um, definitions specifically about what can be included in in a fee structure mm -hmm. what is an appropriate interpretation of the law like you know really getting some definitions and some clarity around the very nitpicky kind of specifics because as they say the devil's in the details and when we work on these um, kind of issues and files that's where all the disagreements happen um, and that's where a lot of the resentment starts to build up you have institutions that put entire departments HR budget line items in a mandatory non-instructional fee and it's like well not all those people are working on this fee and not all of them spend their entire yeah. job working on this yeah. fee so is it appropriate to include all those expenses yeah. you know um, and then obviously having access to the information and documents yeah. that you need right and, yeah. and so a lot of the times a lot of the times the student associations just have to take it on the word of the institution that these numbers are real there's no way to verify this information there's no way to make sure that they're accurate there's no way to kind of audit that information mm -hmm. and then the last piece of course is the student association itself needs protections because the playing field is not level it's not even mm -hmm. right the institutions hold all the information they own the buildings they have all the money um, so we're we as the student movement are at a significant disadvantage when it comes to any negotiation or consultation mm -hmm. Um, and so there needs to be some kind of regulated or more formal protections for mm -hmm. students associations, which exist in other provinces, by the way, this is not a novel idea. Mm -hmm. This is uh, pretty common stuff just in the Alberta context. It doesn't exist yet. And so mm -hmm. those three kind of components in my mind is what builds a meaningful consultation. Because if you're missing any of those three, then you can't meaningfully consult. Yeah. By definition, you just can't have an, a, a negotiation or a consultation yeah. in good faith without those three absolutely and that's why i find like i'm grateful i i get to learn accounting and then finance and human resource and it 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 all comes together and i i know i might not be the top student for these classes it's just that the wisdom behind it is that accounting teach taught me that there's the knit gritty details mm -hmm. that can change the whole transaction the whole books or the whole value of what's in the numbers mm -hmm. With finance, it's like the future, like projections, right? And human resources, the the, the, the people behind it. Right. And that's why it's a fair um, lens to say that, yeah, the details matters. Mm -hmm. um, and especially the accounting of things. And I think um, there might be, and I think it's in the framework, that there are limitations on how student associations can gain access to, like, as a respect to the books of the Institute yeah. for Private Information Access. So, and I think there has to be a definition on how that fine line is like. Right. Like to what extent can we ask for further disclosures? Mm -hmm. Or to what, to what extent can we know about compliance documents? Right. Are they compliant with their practices? Or were they able to disclose it to, according to public interest? Mm -hmm. Right, so there are lots of things that I'm very interested to see that is are they being compliant or um, not not just with one institute it's for every oh, institute because yeah. um it's a public interest that's right yeah yeah you could have said it better it's for the public interest yeah yeah
Awesome. I love it. That was great. <laughs> you guys are great to listen to. Your guys' top of your heads is a lot deeper than mine, so that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I do have another question about the goals that we selected at Olds. Um, did any of the ones that your your institution, NATSA, um, wanted to select, were they weren't selected? Wow. That was terrible. <laughs> that was the most awkward yeah. that was <laughs> So that was off the top of my head. So you can see how well that went. <laughs> Were there any priorities you wish had been selected? Yes. That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, um, and I'm very surprised um, with the priority selection we had, um, that it also aligns to what we are aspiring for, especially, for example, like tuition, because that that's when we strike while the iron is hot because yep. we know about the regulation and the legislation we need a modifier for that for 2023 onwards yep. and that's also one of the most motivators i have that who is there to actually give that lens that there has to be an advocacy piece right mm -hmm. and I'm, that's also a very um, nerdy <laughs> motivation that i would disclose um I think with, for example, if meaningful consultation, um, that's also really aligned to what we wish for. Um, not really a wish, but we hope for it to happen. Because um, not we don't have a standardized model on how consultation mm. looks like. Um, so um, also with the work integrated learning, because from what I'm hearing from students, they're very interested about what what it would be like for them that they have paid or unpaid or like um, industry focused or like what what it's like to have work integrated learning. And I think um, that's the low key um, selling point with polytechnics like Nate because we're close to the industry mm -hmm. and it's attractive for international students because um, that's what they are there here for as well. Like um, they would like to see their opportunities after um, their graduate. It's not just about how they started with Nate or with any institutions, but they would like how they will have a meaningful career also after they get out of their programs, right? So, but I think um, there are certain things like that we would like to advocate for, and I think it's an ongoing advocacy with ASEC in the past years, as far as I can see with the priorities about the support for OERs, and it's something that um, an institutional advocacy that we can do uh, at NATSA because um, it's 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 challenging um, for institutes to um, have a level of acceptance for OERs mm -hmm. but um, so far so good I do not think there's any priorities that are not aligned with what our goals are for advocacy killed it killed Knocked it. it out of the park mm, did a pretty good job <laughs> We uh, actually, after the time of this recording, we will have a announcement about OERs we've been working on um, with a group of librarians and the University of Calgary Students Union and uh, Open Education Alberta on a, on a big province-wide uh, campaign where we're going to have uh, some table drops, um, students out front of libraries, students out front of um, bookstores kind of trying to really push that idea of OERs and get those get that into the minds of students and once it's in the minds of students then they can start talking to their instructors and the instructors can start kind of wrapping their heads around it and we can just keep moving up those levels <laughs> um, th that'll be announced here uh, pretty pretty soon yeah sounds exciting yeah <laughs> Stay tuned. yes yeah. more fun things coming from ASIC uh, 
So at Goals, we did talk about more than just our provincial advocacy. We touched about uh, federal as well, which is a new avenue that ASEC is going after. Um, we selected three goals for this year, um, international student retention and attraction, Canada Canadian student financial assistance, and Indigenous student support. Which of these three is NATSA and yourself most passionate about? To be honest, um, we do have a very diverse population at NATE. Um, we just cannot point that it's more international students or more domestic students. It's a mix, um, accounting also for apprenticeship students, for trade students, right? Um, all three of these are equally important to us, um, and that's how I, I can say that that's how we meaningfully represent our student body, that we're not just giving out a voice for a certain group. However, um, in alignment with the Alberta 2030 strategy, um, as I can see that the province has ambitious numbers of um, how many international students they wish to attract in the goal. Um, and I cannot um, fully discredit that ambition. It's because um, our population is shrinking. Um, our birth, birth rates are down. Um, cost of living is actually going up. Um, inflation, <laughs> interest rates, we name it. There are economic factors that drives behavior um, for the local population to grow. Therefore, um, immigration is one of the things that keeps our population growing. Um, through foreign workers or labor market impact assessments or international students. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, I think um, we we discern that these are equally important. However, for like international student retention and attraction, um, that's something that is a work in progress, especially like the, for uh, the affordability of their cost of living here. Um, and same is true with domestic students as well, like the amount of support and access to support. Financially, um, the facilities and um, overall well-being for students. Um, so I think these are the things that NATSA is equally passionate about for, um, for these federal asks. Um, indigenous student support, um, that's another needle that needs to keep moving um, so that we are, we are making an inclusive space with those federal asks, even though those are like higher ups that we need to ask for but it does have an impact. Um, we don't choose a favorite <laughs> on which support groups to support, um, but that's how we continue to be equitable and recognizing that the diversity is a strength. So yeah, I think those are really great federal asks. Yeah, as you were talking, I was like, which one is my favorite? <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can pick a favorite yeah. of those three. They're so, all three are just so important. Yeah. All three just need to happen. It's like no one of those three is more important than the other. Like all of them just need to, to happen. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I never really realized that it is the, the, the acts are about like specific groups of people. I never really realized that until you started explaining it how you did. And it's just like, yeah, of course they're all important. They're all important to yeah. post-secondary. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think ASEC needs to do to like accomplish these goals then? Like... What do we need to do? I think because the value proposition of ASEC in the first place is lobbying to the government. Mm -hmm. And I think um, as we choose to stay in that focus, 
I think that's where the very work that ASIC is going to do for the student members, I mean the student association members of ASAC. Um, and I think research, and I think there's a model of um, operational in the back end of ASAC that is working well, that is effectively working well. Um, and I think we can just continue to do what we are doing that is serving the organization and the student, like the student organizations that ASAC represents to the government. Um, and yeah, that focus will propel us to be heard and to influence what's out there. And again, to represent Alberta students because students need to be heard and it's through ASAC. And I think that's, that's the voice we need for ASAC to do, to be a megaphone mm -hmm. for, in behalf of NHTSA and in behalf of other student associations. So yeah, that's the focus that I think that needs to be done. Thanks. <laughs> And, and that is what we do. We try to bring a, a spotlight and emphasis yeah. to these kinds of things. Um, and for anyone who's out there listening, just know there's no magic pill to public relations or government relations or policy work. It's just work. It's just doing it's work, work every yeah. day, putting in the work, making yeah. sure that you're talking to the right people, mm -hmm. making sure you have your messaging on point and just yeah. saying it over and over and over again to everyone. Yeah, and I think um, the credibility of ASAC um, is a work in progress, even though m there might be you know, advocacy work that has been done efficiently or effectively. Um, it, and it's same is true with like people and other organizations as well, that credibility is a work in progress. Um, credibility in the sense that we have resources that we need to do the work that we need to do. Um, and yeah, I think, um, strengthening or building a strong foundation even further how to um, up our game as a, a student lobbying group in Alberta. I think that's also um, pro propelling us to do the meaningful work that needs to be done and needs to be heard. Yeah. So I just have one more question for you and it is kind of out of left field. I think this one fell to the bottom of my page by accident. <laughs> but I just want to talk about uh, our conferences this summer. You were one of the few people who were able to come to both. And I'm just curious like what your biggest takeaway was uh, from them and kind of just kind of your summary, I guess. Oh, conferences. I love conferences. And that's the number one. Um, that's my huge takeaway. I get to learn about myself that um, co in conferences, I get to expand my social skills. And it has been two years that I didn't have that much <laughs> social interactions in groups. Um, my huge takeaway, I think I can dial it down to the top three because sure. um, number one, I signed up for the experience to represent NASA in the first place. And it's within our executive directorship agreement um, that one of the expectations of student exec is to go to conferences. And my takeaway about it is that, wow, it, it does add value that there are student execs or student leaders across Alberta that can relate to the amount of work that we do. Because it's not never an easy job to represent students with a diverse population to have many angles of student representation. Um, my top number two, that's not top number one, that's top three, <laughs> uh, top number two. <laughs> Sorry about that. Starting to sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think of the experience of, uh, I think it reinforces the experience as a new student to a new place, to a new culture or to a new environment, to a new purpose. 
and I was able to put myself in a student's shoe that okay what it's like to start fresh in life um, pursuing a program in the post-secondary because I was able to um, stay in the student residence in Olds and in Red Deer and I was like wow it's it's very humbling it's very like it's like an immersion for me like okay what it's like when you wanted to achieve something but in a different place that there's a huge change in life just for one thing to fulfill that purpose because um, our conferences have different purposes like leadership and goals so it it affirms me as a student that yeah it's it's a ride <laughs> to be honest i get to meet new people i get to learn new stuff some things come up some things are surprising some things are tempting or some things are um like not new to me maybe because i was able to attend conferences before um haysack so i'm not new to um, the logistics of it but i'm new to the experience that wow there are there are people that weren't able to experience what i experienced or they were able to share their experiences with me that i get to learn um that's top number two and i guess the top number one is that how ASAC is able to provide this opportunity for networking and learning and growth that there might be student association um, challenges in our own essays that other essays might have the answer or might be able to give us insights what they have done and how it's going well and then we can adapt those strategies and try it in our own essays so um, some things like that um, and yeah, it's, it's a very nice environment to be in with those conferences. And it's promising because we are, we are representing Alberta students and it's over 100,000 students in these groups that are passionate about people. And it's nice to meet passionate people. Mm -hmm. I think that's top number one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. You know, always a pleasure to have you, and, and you were great at the conferences, and I'm glad that you got value out of it. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, and it's a pleasure to be of value to conferences as well. Cheers for more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that is everything I have for you. If, do you have any questions for us that you want to kind of maybe clear up, or happy to just leave it there? Well, I do think, when is this going to be broadcast on the radio? I'm just kidding. <laughs> End of the month, yeah. Thanks again to our guest, and thank you for tuning in. If you like this interview and want to learn more about ASEC, check us out at albertastudents.ca or follow us on social media, at albertastudents on all major platforms. Until next time, this is Advancing Education. <laughs>